to the Boneyard Podcast. How we doing, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your host, Jared Shaffet, and uh, we're coming coming to you this week with episode 26. Uh, I'm trying to think, what is 26 in another language? Artie, you speak French. Come on, don't don't put... um, I I forgot. Uh, (laughs) Vente, Vente Cis... Okay. That might be it. I, I have no idea. I don't know. If, if you speak French, let us know. And since Jared forgot to mention, this is also Artemis Brower. All right. One half did, of did, the Bone Yard podcast. Didn't you? I thought. All right. I got these things turned up <laughs> way too loud then. Um, Artie said he couldn't hear in his headphones, so I, I have the volume turned up way too loud, and the, the music is just blaring through my headphones. Yeah, we were loud to start. Yeah, we, yeah. we were pretty loud. So, um, yeah. Jared Shaffet, Artemis Brower coming to you. This week with episode 26 of the Boneyard Podcast. Wow. Already, it's been a fun ride so far. Um, But we took a week off last week. Mm -hmm. With that, how have you been, man? I've been good, man. Labor Day was was really good. Spent most of it in Raleigh, hanging out with, you know, John and the crew and Mike. Gene, young Gene. Today's his birthday, so shout out to him. Give him a birthday shout out. Um, That's about it, though, man. It's working. Working. And, you know. like a dog. Finally realizing that everything is back. We had six months of nothing. Not shit. Absolute nothing. And now we have everything just thrown at us. You want your sports? We back, boys. Here you go. It's we all thrown at you at the same time. Back. All right. So um, that's great to hear. I, I hate that I missed uh, Raleigh. I'm definitely down to make that trip here in a, in a couple weeks or whenever, mm-hmm. get the boys back together. Yep, yep, um, yep. I, I went down to the beach, saw some family, um, hung out hung out with them, and and spent time with them, played some golf, hung out on the beach. Y'all, y'all saw that video I posted on, of me sitting on the beach. What'd you shoot? Just, oh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it, it, it was not it was not my best effort. Um, yeah. It, it, but from what I heard, it wasn't as bad as your round a couple weeks ago. I, I don't I don't know what happened when I when I went out to Greenville a few weeks ago. My irons actually weren't bad, but uh, I went I actually went golfing a few days ago and played way better than I did in Greenville. So I don't I don't know I don't know if it was the nerves I don't know what it was I, I don't either. Um, I know that it w- it wasn't my best effort. Um, but hey, I'm gonna I'm going down to Greenville this weekend. So, those of you that don't know, I have a cousin that just graduated. We were I was down there celebrating her graduation um, from East Carolina University, the esteemed university, the uh, premier university of North Carolina, the Harvard of the South, <laughs> East Carolina University. Um, I was down there celebrating her birthday. We we played some golf and then. She actually works at a country club in Greenville, and I'm going to go down there play play at her country club. You went down there and played with her a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever played Ironwood? I your first time. Yeah, I've never played Ironwood. Okay. So this nice will, course. The, I, I wasn't going to name who it was. Uh, no free ads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, she works at Ironwood. Um, I know that there are several people that are within the 
athletic administration that play golf there. Maybe we'll rub some elbows, or maybe I'll rub some elbows with them on uh, on Saturday. Um, they'll be like, "Oh, you're that guy that mm-hmm. that keeps asking us to do interviews and do these things." Okay, well, no, the answer is no. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get back to you. We'll yeah. take it from here. Um, speaking of people asking people to come on the show, we've been lucky enough to ask somebody twice, and we're two for two. Mm-hmm. On, on this person coming on the show today, um, this week, this week we have Stephen Igo from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Hoist the colors. He's coming on the show. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting. Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, the twenty twenty season, how things are shaking up. Um, just kind of shoot the shit with him, um, mm-hmm. Stephen. As I mentioned the last time we had Stephen on the show, um, I, I consider him a good friend of mine. So. Um, Might go from friend of the podcast to best friend of the podcast. Hey, we're, we're going to have to figure something out. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Artie, you mentioned it earlier. We had uh, six months of nothing, right? And then mm-hmm. last night we had six leagues playing all at the same time. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Seis. Seis. See, I know, I know Spanish. I know Spanish. Six. <laughs> um, well, sports are back, baby. I know I've said this a couple times on the podcast, but sports are back. I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words. Just just my excitement. Like, this weekend, you have no idea. Like, if I wasn't going to Raleigh tomorrow, I'd probably just be in this apartment. I'd, I'd set up the double TVs, and it'd just be football. I, mean, I'd, I appreciate the other leagues, but for me, it would just be football 48 hours straight my eyes would be bloodshot red because I consume so much football, which I'm still going to do on Sunday. Please, if any any loved one that I have or a close relative or friend that's listening to this podcast, please do not contact me on Sunday. I cannot help you. Yeah, I'm going to be on the golf course Sunday morning. Then, I cannot help you. Then I'm going to hit Sup Dogs and walk, try to catch some of that uh, Falcons game on at Sup Dogs. Good for you. On, on I just Sunday. know me personally, I cannot help you on Sunday. All right. Well, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll, I'll tweet out. Artie's number, so that way you can call him and let him know. Phone will be off. <laughs> that you're thinking of him while he's uh, drowning himself. Lie, I got to I gotta check the fantasy scores. So actually yeah. my phone will be on. I, I should have started Sammy Watkins yesterday. 21 and a half points on yeah. your bench. Yeah. I yeah. saw that. It was, not, it was not ideal. And then, of course, uh, the guy I'm playing had Clyde Edwards Hilaire or whatever his name is. So. And Will Fuller. And Will Fuller, so he he scored thirty points. Luckily, I didn't have anybody out there last night, but Mike Evans is questionable for this week. So, well, I mean, your your team is kind of suspect anyway. You're betting it all on Matt Ryan. Uh, I I have a I went with we're in a PPR league, so I went with running backs that mm-hmm. catch a lot of passes out of the backfield, which is smart. So that that's that was kind of my thought process is of building my team. Plus, I mean, I I, I got one. Top level receiver, I mean, you got Mike Evans, and then I've got um, Calvin Ridley also in my flex. So I mean, I'm okay. I'm okay. We're gonna see. We're get- Artie. <laughs> we, we gonna see. Artie, tell me this. Mm-hmm. How often do I draft where we're all, where I'm like I don't know how I feel feel about that, but then six weeks in I'm leading the Leading the league. I don't, all I know is I won the chip last year. You That's did win, the, you, but I also <laughs> ran into a bunch of injuries. This is true. So, um, yeah, 
But back, getting back on topic, we had uh, NFL, MLB, mm-hmm. MLS, mm-hmm. NHL, NBA, WNBA. We also All have the U.S. Time. Open going on, and yep. there's two PGA, PGA tournaments tours, yep. going on right now. Our boy Harold Varner III, he's uh, he's teeing off in about two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're recording at 9.45 on a Friday morning. Um, but, yeah, lots of sports on. It's, it's great to see. Things are finally getting back to normal. What 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 have you seen or what what have you felt when you when you've been watching sports over the past couple of days? Um, I, I I will say and and you know this might be a little biased, um, but I, I think the basketball product has just been out of this world. I think all of these games have been close. They've been competitive. Um, I don't know what it is about not having a home field advantage and not being at home, but these guys are it's, – it, it's, it feels like an AAU tournament. It feels like March Madness. I mean, these guys are really putting it all on the line. Even those seven-game series, you know, because in most seven-game series, guys might take a game one off or a game three off or whatever. They're not doing that. They're really getting after each other. Celtics-Raptors, that series has been phenomenal. Um, you know, Thunder-Rockets, that series was phenomenal. Clippers, who are they playing? I don't know. Don't ask me anything. About I, I, I know, I know, I know. You don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I know it's Lakers, Rockets, Clippers, Nuggets. That series isn't good, nuggets. but the Clippers are just a better, better team than than the Nuggets. But the basketball product has been phenomenal. I haven't really kept up with the NHL like that, but I know that's going really well. Um, baseball is going really well, with the exception of teams letting people score thirty thousand runs on them. Um, football. I'm expecting football to be sloppy. These first three to four weeks, I'm fully expecting. We saw with Navy, I know, I know we were going to mention that a little later, but, I mean, you didn't practice tackling. Yeah. Well, I, I, come on. We'll talk, we'll talk about Navy <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But, but you know, football, football is going to, be, going to be a little sloppy. I will say the defending world champions look really good last night. Yeah, so. they, they look like they're ready to go repeat. Yeah. Um, watching that game last night, I was like, wow. Like, I, I – like I told Artie, I, I I turned off the game at about halftime. I was like, this game like they they just looked. It it wasn't out of hand at that time, but I was like, there's no like they're gonna end up going in in the second half and they're gonna trounce them. Just a superior team. I mean, yeah. they, they just look like a superior team. That's so just what it was. I turned on PGA 2K21 and <laughs> hit the greens. I don't know if you. I, I know you're not a big tennis guy, but I I you know got to watch Osaka and I got to watch Serena a little bit. Um, sadly, I'm a big Serena fan. She got knocked out by uh, Victoria Azarenka. Shout out to Azarenka, who had lost like 10 straight to her in the majors. Um, but uh, that's been really good and entertaining. Djokovic got, you know, disqualified for abusing some line judge, I guess. <laughs> so, man, he was walked the – I thought about – we were talking about walk the plank uh, for this week. Already not usually. So we don't overlap on walk the plank. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talk about them beforehand and – I was thinking about doing Djokovic for Walk the Plank, but I was like, man, I did him last week for something completely different. Right now he's just kind of out there. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been it's been strange. Now, watching these games, I felt that seeing the – at first it was weird not having fans. Now it's almost weird, like last night when I saw – the 17,000 or whatever it was mm-hmm. at Arrowhead Stadium in, in Kansas City. I thought that was almost weird seeing the fans. In then, the, in then the like, States. not having any fans at all, right? Because you're right. so used to seeing that stadium to capacity and people spilling out 
you know, tailgating in the in the parking lots. So, I, I, I honestly, I think football is going to be the only sport where it's going to be weird as far as the no fans. Just because, especially like with college football, just because you've got these monstrous stadiums and a lot of them are not going to allow anybody. And it's going to be hard to also pump in crowd noise to get people excited when it's broad daylight. And you can obviously tell there's nobody in the stands. Yeah, I, I, I know that... Um, I know ECU has talked about some things that they're they're thinking about doing. I know it was mentioned with the cardboard cutouts mm-hmm. at ECU, and I, I know it was mentioned uh, with with some of the other things going on. They they mentioned doing kind of like the the video board where you've got people skyping into the game or whatnot. Because with every other sport, it's also camera angles, right? I mean, you can you can angle the camera to make it look and feel like you're not paying attention to the fans. With a, with a football game, there's really no camera angle where you're not seeing empty seats, you know? There's, you're you're going to see those empty seats. You almost have to have that sky cam on. Right, and nobody wants times. to watch sky cam the entire game. So. I don't know. There, there's been times where I've turned it off to stop listening to some of the announcers. I'm like, I, got, I can't listen to some of these announcers. <laughs> and I just put it on the sky cam and, <laughs> and watch it from there, Like especially like a national championship game when I'm just wanting it in the background like sometimes. Right, right. Um, and see kind of what the players are seeing. I've put it on Skycam. I'm a fan of Skycam. I, I like the Skycam. I just don't want Skycam for the entirety of the game. I kind of like the different the different views that they give give me during the game, to okay. be honest with you. But, yeah, it, it was weird um, seeing fans there and then – but also watching a baseball game when, where there's no fans. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's, been, it's been strange. Um, that, that's to say the least. But sports are back. Hey, beggars can't be choosers. No, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> we, beggars I'm cannot happy. be choosers. We've been begging for this for months. So whether there's fans or no fans, we need to take what we can get. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy that we got fans. Um, but, Artie, college football has started. Some schools are having fans. Mm-hmm. Um, some are not. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can say is it doesn't feel like college football season. It doesn't feel like it at all. Like – because because that and that's one industry that is fan so fan driven, too. Yeah. I mean I mean, the passion of college football is, it's pretty much fifty percent of the fans. I mean yes, it's the product and it's it's you know, um, the actual play on the field. But when you you know when you watch college game day on a Saturday morning, you watch it not not just because of Desmond and and Kirk and Reese and the boys, but you watch it because there's a sea and a mass of people, that you know it's like okay. This feels like college football. This right. feels right. I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, I I don't I don't know, man. Like I I've tried watching some of the football games. I tried watching the SMU uh, Texas State game last week. I tried watching yeah. Memphis Arkansas State. Try, yeah, same. And then I turned on the Navy game BYU game and turned it right back off. <laughs> um, the I it's one of those things where like you you wake up on that first Saturday. Of college football, usually week zero only has like six or seven games. ECU is supposed to play that week, mm-hmm. and you wake up and you you're like, oh, college football is on. Like you wake up eight a.m. Yeah, college game it's day. A, it's a boom. full day gauntlet. Boom, and then if your team's playing at home that week, you go out. You go to tailgate. Maybe it's a four o'clock game. You get out there around nine a.m. Mm-hmm. You, you're tailgating. You're having some fun. You're you're grilling out. Having some some cold beverages, um, mixing some mixing some mixed drinks, if you know what I mean, um, <laughs> and then 
you go to the game and your day is revol- your day is revolving around that game that game day that that experience of mm-hmm. i've got to be at home if I, if my team's away or if i can't make it to the game this week i've got to be at home on my couch to watch this game mm-hmm. and right now i mean right now you you don't have that it it, it doesn't feel that way now it might change for us in two weeks when UCF walks into Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and we have mm-hmm. a have a football game to watch or to be excited about. But right now, I'm not excited about college football. Like I, I'm excited that it's back, right? But I'm not excited to watch. You're it. not really excited to watch any of the games. I'm not. I'm not. I'm on any given Saturday in most falls. I, I'll watch six or seven football games. Just doesn't matter who they are. Right. I'll watch a. I'll watch an FCS game if if I. If it's a good one, mm-hmm. I'll watch it because it's football. I want to. I, I just want to experience college football. I think college football is. I'm, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, what what I'm about to say is like, I enjoy watching college football because of the atmosphere. I feel like you don't get that with the NFL. No, and so that that's why I enjoy college football. And, and, and every see, atmosphere is it, every atmosphere is unique. And that's the biggest difference between college football and the NFL. The NFL is so product driven. Mm-hmm. And now we've become such a fantasy-driven society, too. A lot of us just watch pro football because we're trying to keep up with our fantasy guys. And which, when, you know, well, you and I are both going to be doing that this weekend as well. When Artie talks about fantasy football, his fantasy is the Bears winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Mitch we trust, but I don't, I don't trust yeah. Mitch. Anyway. It's 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 so it's so product driven, and in in college it's so passion and like I like I said fan field, it's it's that because how is how is Auburn Alabama going to be this year? Like the Iron Bowl is going to have zero people in attendance. Maybe it, they, they might allow a few people. Knowing Alabama, they're gonna they're gonna say you know what screw it. we're going to let some people in the stands. How is you know what, what's what's another big rivalry? Georgia that, that Tennessee, we have? right? Florida Georgia in Jacksonville with yeah. nobody there like that. It's just it's it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. And I think I don't know if the product's gonna change. I don't think the product's gonna change. I think the product's gonna be the same. And I think in a few weeks we will buy into it because I also believe that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are gonna try to make a push to come back because they realize just how bad of a mistake they, they messed made. up. They messed up, and they and and they thought they were going to be able to push these other conferences out, and the other conferences were like, no, 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 no. Y'all sit we're on the sidelines now. You can sit on the sideline. We're playing. Americans so, now in the Power Five. I definitely think the Big Ten and Pac-12 thought they were going to control the narrative, and they did not. So now they're trying to get back into the narrative. It just shows you that money doesn't buy everything. Right. But, I, I mean, I think it's going to take us a little while to warm up to this new, hopefully this one season, this one altered season of college football. But I, I feel like we're going to buy into it. I've got to believe that by next season, we will have made – I'm no expert, I'm no scientist, but I have to believe that by next season, we will have made great strides in, in finding finding a way to get people in the in the stadium. I also hate to say this, but I, I'm already starting to see it. I, th- I think this time next year, people are going to say, screw it anyway. <laughs> like I, I really feel like people are, people are just going to say, no, we got to – I, I – I don't know, man. I I'm I'm ready for all this shit to be over, um, but yeah, it doesn't feel like college football, and uh, it definitely didn't feel like I was watching college football when I watched uh, Navy take the field on Monday night last week. It, yeah, it was, looked it looked like I was watching a peewee team. That was embarrassing. Go in to play 
playing a Super Bowl. That that man, that was that that was brutal. And it, it, it's it's really a big hit for us because yes, we're an ECU podcast. We love ECU, but we also love the American. We've been hyping up the American for months. Navy was supposed to be a really good team in the American. They got beat 50, fifty-five to three. So I mean, they're, they're kind of making everybody. Y'all got y'all's ass kicked. They're kind of making everybody that's supporting the American. Like, okay, come on now, you, you gotta you gotta produce for us. I'm yeah, to hype you up. Yeah, I <laughs> when I, when I saw the score of that game, like I said, I turned it on. I, I, we drove back from the beach that night, and I turned on the game, and I was like, oh, okay, then well, that's uh, I'm not gonna watch that. And to, no. that and that's when I found out that they have been practicing without tackling. Look, I, I and I understand with everything going on, you, you there, there really is no right or wrong as far as how to prepare because we don't, <laughs> as Jared puts on some crooked sunglasses, we don't, we don't really know how to prepare, I guess, the right or wrong way. But I will say, if you're going to have a football season, if you're going to go all in on football, if you're going to play – you might want to consider tackling in practice because you're going to have to play a real game where it's not going to be two-hand touch. Jared's trying to make me laugh. You're not going to do it. <laughs> you're trying. You, you, Ken. Pronounce his last name. I, say I, it. I say it. No, no. Mia Montanolo. Is that right? Did you, did you say that right? I don't think right? so. No, I don't think you did. Mia Montanolo. Namatolo. He knew going in that you, <laughs> you have to tackle in a real-life game. So I, I, I just don't understand why they weren't tackling. At least, you know, do a live scrimmage once a week. At least once, right? All you're doing is wrapping up. I mean, and it showed. You could see it. The kids were just wrapping up on the field. That's, that's not a tackle. People are going to break through those arm tackles, man. It's football. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, I believe that's EC's week four matchup. Uh, October, feeling, feeling a lot better about that matchup. October 17th. Um, so whoever we talked about last week or last time when we talked about uh, the the guy that said that ECU was going to be this 0-0 or 0-10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. ECU would go winless. Guy, I, I, I think you're wrong. Um, we're going we're gonna to find a way to win. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, Artie. College game day, mm-hmm. it's going to be right down the road. Yep. And there's not going to be – 20 minutes away. There's not going to be anybody there. And Wake Forest on – I mean, I grew up – guys, I grew up a Wake Forest fan. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're a Winston boy. You, you know, Lexington, you're right there. Trey Foe. Um, I mean, I, I grew up going to Chris Paul's rival high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's it, – it's cool that – they're coming to Winston. It's cool. I would love, like, I would love to be able to go over there and, and see it. But they're not going to allow anybody there. And it's so weird that they're actually going on site mm-hmm. for a game, and there's not going to be. There's anybody not going to. Yeah. Like at that point, what's the point? What's the point? Why not just do one in studio, right? Yeah. Because a college game day. I tune in, like I said, to see that mass of people along with the crew, you know, and... Or do you think we could sneak in? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Do you think we could sneak in? We could try. 
what if we got in there and just were the most obnoxious ECU Pirate fans? No, maybe they are going to allow, you know, like different stages of people. Like, you know, a group here, group there, another group 15 feet away. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're going to have it blocked off. I don't, I don't know if you saw how they did the concerts over across seas, but they had, you know, the little blocked off section. You know what they should do? People. They, they should do it. <laughs> they should do it. And this is something like my, what my church has done with um, like an FM transmitter mm-hmm. where you can listen to it on the radio. And then so everybody in their cars can park in the parking lot and listen to college games. But imagine seeing just a parking lot full of cars. Full of cars. But there's, there's just people in the cars. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you have trucks. You got people grilling out in the back of their trucks. Like, yeah, but they wouldn't allow that either. Because, you know, people would go out and then they'd start tailgating. And they'd be like, okay, well, if you're just going to sit here and, you know, throw a party in the in the parking lot, why don't you just come on over and join the game day experience? Like, I mean. I really feel for Wake Forest, though. Because when's the last time they've had a college game day? 2006? 2007? Jim Grubb. When they, yeah, when they had Grove and the boys, when they were actually really good. Gang, gang. And when's the next time they're going to have a college game day? Shout out, shout out Dan Clark. Dan, I'm going to text you to make sure you listen to this podcast because <laughs> we're giving Wake Forest oh a God. lot of love. He and called, Dan's, Dan's out in San Fran. He called me. Wake Forest is having a college game day. He's all the way across the country. He, he called me this week and was asking me like how I thought Wake Forest was going to do. I was like, man, I don't keep up with Wake Forest. Like, <laughs> I They mean, should finish about fourth or fifth. Man. In the ACC, they're going to get trounced this weekend. That, that's all. I, I, I don't know. Clemson. I don't, I don't know. Clemson. I don't think they get trounced. Uh, I think it's a lot closer. You got to remember. Well, Wake is Wake is used to playing in front of no no fans. So, <laughs> I, I I think these first like like I said, I think these first few weeks are going to be a little sloppy from professional and college football. So I I think Clemson is going to come out a little sluggish. They'll probably end up winning about two touchdowns, but I mean. That offense Clemson has with ETN and yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. Like I mean, they should Lawrence, win the national championship like, this year. They yeah. should absolutely win the Natty. It'll be ECU Clemson in the national championship <laughs> game, and we're all going to be there for it. And ECU's going to be crowned COVID champions. COVID champs. But uh, Artie, we've got ECU football fifteen days away. Um, we're almost there, man. We. Well, we've passed the first date, and then mm-hmm. the second date was supposed to be tomorrow. And now we've got a third start date of September 26th. We're two weeks away. Mm-hmm. 15 days away right now. So I say we talk a little bit more about ECU football with our guest, Stephen Igo. How, how, how about we do that? Let's do it. Let's, let's turn to Igo. All right. So here's our interview with... Steven Igo from 24-7 Sports, Hoist the Colors. So this week's guest, uh, he's our first two-time guest. He's, like we mentioned earlier on the podcast, he's now going to be a best friend of the podcast, not just friend of the <laughs> podcast. Um, he is the, uh, he, he's the writer for 24-7 Sports, Hoist mm-hmm. the Colors, um, I mean, he, he leads all that. He's probably the biggest insider at, at ECU. He, he's got all the details. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Steven Iga. Iga, welcome back to the podcast. How's it going, man? Well, it's, uh, it's an honor to be the first two-time guest. <laughs> it's gone pretty well because we're getting closer to football. Yeah, uh, finally. Because every time we get close, I start to get excited and then we get delayed. But uh, 
everything I'm hearing, man, it sounds like the 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 cases for ECU's football team are down uh, closer to zero. So we're getting there, and we're just hoping for no uh, no more spikes. Yeah, and I, I I've been I mean we've been keeping up with it as well, and that that's the one thing I mean I, I want to know like how are you? Um, I, I know you're actually in Greenville. We're not. How how much access are you getting to uh, to some of the personnel to to talk to them kind of on 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 or off the record? Um, how, how much access have you been given recently? On the record, you know, we pretty much just get Mike Houston, and um, you know, it, it's good because Coach Houston is pretty transparent, whether it be position battles or personnel, that sort of stuff. Um, the, you know, the tough part is we don't get the chance to talk to um any players right now we haven't got the chance to talk to any uh, coordinators or assistant coaches so that's made it difficult but at the same time you know I do give coach Houston for being open being transparent you know off the record I do have a number of sources around the program uh that allow me to get insight into you know some of the things that are really happening um that maybe coach Houston wouldn't say to the to the media and of course, we keep most of that stuff VIP for our members that subscribe, uh, because a lot of it is sometimes sensitive information. But it allows us to get a better sense of what's truly happening. Now, usually we're we're on the field pretty much every day for 30 minutes during preseason camp, and we're seeing you know who's lining up where, who's out, who's um, maybe getting more time that that you wouldn't expect. And, and right now, we're not allowed to see that, so we kind of have to go off what we're hearing. And we do hear little tidbits here or there, but it's still not the same as a normal uh, preseason camp in terms of uh, information we usually get. But as long as we get football at the end of the day, I'll make it work. Right. <laughs> now, I kind of wanted to ask you about the, uh, the ECU Marshall game because that was supposed to be our first game of the season. And now that's obviously gotten delayed. How do you feel about that game happening? Do you think it's going to happen um, at some point this season? How do, you, how do you feel about ECU Marshall? I think the, you know, the ADs and the coaches really want it to happen. Um, I'm not 100% sold that it will happen. Mm -hmm. I think the most realistic scenario is December 5th um, because that would, you know, there's talk of during the season, let's say ECU is scheduled to play uh, Temple. I don't know the exact dates off the top of my head, but let's say ECU is scheduled to play Temple. They lose that game and Marshall just has an open date or they lose an opponent. Then ECU and Marshall have pretty much agreed that in that scenario they would play each other. Uh, on short notice because they've already done the prep for the, you know, the game plan, that sort of stuff. They know each Mm -hmm. other that they could make that happen on short notice, but you know, the odds of that happening are probably pretty slim. So December 5th makes the most sense, but that's also a conference championship weekend. You know, I don't think ECU is going to be in the conference championship uh, barring some major resurgence. Marshall on the other hand, I mean, they look pretty dang good in their season opener Yeah, they did against Eastern Kentucky. So it wouldn't shock me if they're a conference championship type team in Conference USA, and, and, then, and then if that happens, I don't think you can get the game in, but um, they're definitely going to do everything they can to try. And if something happens with Marshall where they can't get the game in, I would expect ECU to try to find a 10th game, assuming the season goes fairly smooth. Yeah, which and that absolutely sucks. We were all looking forward to that ECU-Marshall game, and it's not looking like it's going to happen. Um, but we had a guy, I forget his name, but we had a guy that had us going winless. Uh, you know who it is because you tweeted it out. Uh, but what's, 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 what's your final outlook for ECU football this, this season? I know we, you don't have us going winless, but. No, uh, that was Jerry Palm, a CBS yeah. writer, and he is a 
He's known more as a bracketologist for uh, NCAA basketball, so like an a NCAA tournament guy. So I was a little surprised to see him doing some uh, college football stuff. But he does it every now and then, especially with bowl games. He had ECU going 0-10, which, you know, I just don't see that happening, even if ECU has a down year. Certainly mm-hmm. they get lucky and win a game. Um, but, you know, for me, so I sat down, I did my final game-by-game predictions the other day, and I told myself, I was pretty confident I was going to have four and four and six. But then I started to go through the schedule, and I'm like, there's really not a game on the schedule ECU can't win outside of maybe at Cincinnati or UCF or probably the two long shot games. But outside of that, I don't see a game on the schedule that I'm like, you know, if ECU plays well on offense like they did the second half of the season, they can't win this game. I, I didn't feel that way on any game. So now the, on, the, on the flip side, there's not a game where I'm like, ECU is 100% going to win this game. Norfolk State's off the schedule. Georgia State is better than a lot of people realize. We saw what Marshall can do, assuming that game is scheduled. Everybody in the conference is pretty good. Even South Florida, which is expected to be down, has Florida talent. So I, I ended up 5-5, five and five, which is better than I thought I was going to be um, going into the prediction. And I think ECU fans should be excited about that possibility with such a young football team that's going to be together for a long time. If they can get four to five wins, I think you would feel really good about the season given everything going on. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be a a good a good mark. Five and five would be perfect. I mean, I I don't know if any ECU fan that's going to be upset with a five and five record no. after the the last four years that we've had. Um, now I go. I want to kind of see like so if if that Marshall game can't happen and and it's not looking like it's going to happen at some point in the season. Um, have you maybe forecasted on when ECU's bye weeks are and what open dates other teams might have? Have you have you looked into some of that? Uh, a little bit preliminarily, but not uh, too in depth to where I would know who exactly would be available. I think it's more, you know, October twenty fourth is the bye week right now, and they could go ahead and schedule a game there against an FCS team or whoever. But I think judging by the vibe of people around the program, they want to keep that day open because you're more than likely going to see a ton of games shifted because of the COVID stuff, uh, especially with teams testing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the American. You know, if there's a, a case or two that pops up on Wednesday or Friday, you know, how do teams react to that? Do they bang the game or do they just quarantine those players and hope for the best? Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that as the season progresses, I think you're just going to see games shifted and games scheduled on short notice or on a week or two's notice. Uh, because if a team has an outbreak during the season, they're not they're not only going to lose that one game, they're going to lose two games more than mm-hmm. likely because of the contact tracing. You know, you're going to lose players for 10 to 14 days at minimum. So that probably means two games. So there's a good chance you'll see teams lose opponents and need replacement opponents through the season. And that seems to be what John Gilbert, the athletic director, is kind of hoping for, not hoping for, but expecting uh, as the season goes on in terms of, hey, if this happens, you know, we'll we'll have an open date to uh, potentially pick up a team. And the hope would be that you would line up with Marshall in one of those situations. But um, if not, you could th- – there's going to be teams needing games throughout the season, I think, is the general sense as we go through this thing. Okay. And kind of going off of that – Talking about like your sources and and what you've been hearing throughout the program, have you uh when when we were 
planning on trying to schedule a game before we had to shut down for almost two weeks. Um, were you hearing anything about movement on on scheduling another game and adding another game to the to the schedule? The plan at that point was to just stick with the schedule as is or as was. Um, they wanted to have the Marshall game on the September 12th and then have the week off uh, to prepare for UCF. And so, there, you know, initially, if you remember back, there was some buzz about, hey, let's add a game September 5th. So we're playing an FCS team going into Marshall because they were doing the same. Well, it turns out it was a good thing ECU didn't add that game. Uh, because in theory, it would have made sense. But with the outbreak, you would have had to move not only the Marshall game, but two uh, two games. Um, so I give John Gilbert credit for being patient there, even though some have criticized him for not adding a game. And, and look, I was the first one when the Marshall game was was uh, postponed. You know, I said, hey, ECU needs to schedule a game on September 19th because nobody wants to open the season with UCF, the top 25 team, yeah. <laughs> a young team. Yeah. Uh, it's not, not I ideal. Know. Mike Houston, I think, felt the same way from talking with people. And so – but I think once they return to practice and they realize, wow, you know, we're pretty damn far behind where we need to be, they were like, maybe we should just stick with the 26. Because from my sources, you know, they're going to have the majority of the team back at practice next week, but then those players still need two weeks to get in some type of game shape. If they would just return, let's say, Tuesday, which is when they would, you know, be game week practice – uh, for, for a, a game on the 19th, you would only have, what, three or four days to get those players back ready to go, and that's just not ideal. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, when you, that's when you start looking like Navy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it – you know, I wanted a game on the 19th selfishly, one, to cover, two, mm -hmm. to have a, a game for ECU to get ready for UCF because I, I don't think it's ideal that UCF plays a game before ECU. But, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it and, and uh, you know, find a way to, to move forward. Now, knowing that, you know, this season is probably not going to go smoothly all the way through, you know, you might have a team get some positive tests or a few teams get positive tests. How long do you think this college football season could last in, in, in the long run? That's a great question. I, you know, that's the thing is the conference championship window, a lot of conferences have said, hey, we, you know, we're scheduled to play December 5th, but we can move it back to December 19th. And I don't, mm -hmm. you know, personally – you do have to consider the TV contracts and all that sort of stuff, but I would not be shocked to see if there's a ton of outbreaks, mm -hmm. uh, if they continue to push the conference championship window back as far as possible, as far as TV allows. You know, the, the trouble is you do have the – I think the college football playoff is pretty much set for January 11th or 12th, somewhere in that range. I don't know the exact dates. So you wouldn't want to, like, push it back into early January unless the college football playoff gets pushed back. But, but I personally would not – rule it out to where everything gets pushed back multiple weeks that mm -hmm. allows more teams time to, to shift based on COVID numbers and that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, the hope right now is to get it in by, by mid-December as far as all the conference championship games. I just don't know, is that realistic? You know, we've already seen several games postponed, but, you know, it's 2020, man. I'm not ruling it. <laughs> True that. Comes with stuff. Yeah. And, um, with that, I, I kind of want to take this in, a, in another direction. I, I know that, um, I mean, you, you're, you're like I said, the insider when it comes to recruiting and everything. Um, I, I have a pretty good feeling that the 2020 class is going to, I mean, going to be stellar. We've, we've already seen some of what they're doing. But um, looking ahead to the, to the next class and then looking at 2022 even, um, what, what are some things that you think that ECU will be targeting or – 
what, what are some positions that you think will be big for, for those classes? Well, 2021 is such a unique year because it, it's pretty much – they're already close to being done, and they only have 11 commitments in terms of high school and JUCO kids, um, and they're probably going to take around 15. And, you know, Ryan Jones, who was the Oklahoma transfer, was expected to come in with this class, will probably be coming in with the next class. So he kind of counts towards those, those 15 probably. Um, so you really only have a few spots left. The main concern with this class was addressing offensive line uh, linebacker and um, you know the wide receiver position which has four commitments so they ended up getting a, a really big commitment recently in Theodore Lockley mm-hmm. uh, a wide receiver out of Florida who was originally an Illinois commitment you know his decision came down to ECU and Utah uh, Cincinnati was also in there he chose the Pirates you know really good uh, fast kid you know he needs some work as far as being a receiver but with you know he's probably going to play the slot and you have Tyler Sneed, Josiah Hatfield etc ahead of him so he'll have time to, you know, really learn the offense, really adapt in, in that sort of way. Um, but, you know, for me, I think 2021 is like such a – almost a shot in the dark because you haven't had any guys take visits. You haven't had a chance to see these guys uh, practice or play games or work out. So it's almost a good thing, in my opinion, ECU's got a smaller 2021 class because I don't think you want to be taking 25 guys that you've never seen in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all signs from the 2020 class are this is an extremely good recruiting class. So I feel pretty good about that. 2022, you know, I just hope we can get to a point where we can actually take visits again because it's not fair to the kids or the, the staff to have to make decision based on a huddle film where they look like ants running around out there. I mean, <laughs> you, can, you, can make, uh, you, you can make a pretty big valuation based off high school film, but it's also not the same as seeing guys in person. In person, yeah. Um, but the, the big names to watch in 2022, you know, Michael Allen, four-star running back at J.H. Rose High School just up the road. Uh, he has a lot of interest in ECU, and um, he's got a chance to, you know, to be a national recruit. Already has SEC, ACC offers. And then Cavion uh, Freshwater from Northeastern High School. Uh, name probably sounds familiar because he's the brother of Travion Freshwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got an offer from ECU and Virginia Tech. Several others are also involved. Those are the two guys who are really high on ECU's list for, you know, they're East North Carolina guys, and ECU's on them very early. Yeah, and that 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 brings up a – you covered one of the questions about Michael Allen um, that we had on Twitter, but that brings up a, a good question that we had from another follower on Twitter, A Spooner 71 asks, I've been excited about Travion Freshwater since he came aboard. Is he going to be as big of an impact as I hope? Um, what What are you hearing, and, and what What are your thoughts on Travion Freshwater? Uh, I've heard really good things. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm trying to personally temper my expectations because he's a freshman defensive lineman. Uh, he's got some things to to learn. He missed the start of camp due to contact tracing issues, so he's a little behind. But you want to talk about physical raw ability Travion Freshwater has as much as anybody in the program and at a crucial position of need um, because you know ECU doesn't get a ton of impact defensive linemen but it sounds like Freshwater has a chance to be that Uh, you know originally I had him targeted as a uh, an edge rushing defensive lineman but he's already added uh, 26 pounds since last year He's, he's coming in around 270 so they moved him inside and you know, the hope is he grows into kind of a, an interior 
pass rusher type of guy, disruptor against the run, against the pass, gets in quarterbacks' faces, inter- inter- interrupts uh, throwing lanes. And um, there have been several times in the practice where he's worked against some of the upperclassmen offensive linemen, and he's made them look silly. So wow. he's just got to figure out what he's doing in a scheme perspective because uh, physically, talent-wise, he's, he's got as much upside as anybody in the program. It's just like like so many of these young guys, you know, we'll probably talk about. I think that Travion Freshwater in time will be that impact all conference type of player. Uh, great kid coming along well in the classroom. Try, you know, he works his tail off, and uh, I just think it's going to take time. But I do think we'll see flashes throughout this year. Nice. Now, kind of switching gears a little bit, I kind of wanted to ask you about the rapidly approaching college basketball season. Um, do you think there's going to be any pushback for the start of college basketball? And what's your outlook for ECU basketball this season? You know, everything I've heard is uh, they're looking at a, a start right around Thanksgiving. I think November 25th is the okay. target start date, um, which, you know, that, that allows them to push the start of the season back a few weeks and get some more time to prepare. Mm. You know, there's a lot of talk about all this bubble stuff. You know, they want to create a bubble in certain uh, locations to play. But I just don't know logistically how that works. How do you – divide 350 teams into certain bubble locations and play certain games, especially when you already have certain non-conference games scheduled. Um, so there's still a lot from a logistics standpoint that has to be worked out. You know, mm-hmm. ECU's only got one flight scheduled for the season, and that was going to be, I think, early or mid-November uh, to a Florida um, to a Florida non-conference tournament. And, it, you know, that probably – I don't know if they're going to shift the dates on that. If not, that will be wiped out with the November 25th start date. But as far as non-conference play, most of the games are regional or at home, so they don't have to fly. Now, conference, they do have to fly. And it sounds like there's going to be a 20-game conference schedule. Um, but at the same time, you they played 18 the past two years, so it's not a huge increase in, in conference games. But um, I'm excited about basketball. You know, I was really excited last year. It didn't work out mm-hmm. due to some injuries. But they have basically the entire roster back. They add Noah Farrakhan. They add uh, Fifi Kwanzaa, a seven-footer. But I'm, I'm, mo- I'm most excited about the guys returning, J.J. Miles, uh, of course, Jaden Gardner, and um, Traymont Robinson-White, some of these guys who came on strong at the end of last year who finally started to figure it out, and now they're back after a full offseason. I think they'll be much improved, and hopefully they can play better in non-conference. That was the problem last year. You just can't start 2-7 and seven against a weak schedule and, um, mm-hmm. and have a good year. Yeah, definitely. And that, that kind of brings up a good point. I, I know that – um, we've had some down years, several down years in, in basketball. What what would be a a um, a successful season? What does a successful season this year look like in, in basketball? Is it an NIT appearance? Is that what we're shooting for right now? I mean, if he's using NIT, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. Based off the history of the program. Um, I'm trying. I'm just trying to see like what our expectations are right now. I, yeah, I mean that's a great question. Expectations in ECU basketball is always an interesting. <laughs> uh, you, you don't know, have to tell me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you know maybe 500. The tough thing is I don't know what the non-conference games are going to look like. Mm. For me, fair expectations would be to win the majority of your non-conference games, however many you play. To me, it starts there because that has always been ECU's problem. They always have a weak non-conference schedule, and they and everybody's like, all right, let's say there's 11 non-conference game. Everybody pencils in like eight and three, and then you start two and seven, and everybody's like, what the hell? Um, so 
I think it starts there. You got to start the season good, get some momentum. Let's say they win the majority of their non-conference games. Uh, I think they went uh, what five, and they had five or six conference wins last year. You know, if you can get to eight conference wins, uh, and, and I assume if they're playing twenty, you know, if you can get in that eight nine range, you can go eight and twelve, nine and eleven in conference, and finish above five hundred in non-conference by a good margin. Then you're right on track for, you know, a, a sixteen and fourteen. 17 and 13 type of season. I that's think that would be a major step. In the right I, I, I'm direction. happy with that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's a good season. I mean, 500 to me is, is fair expectations. I feel like, and if you can keep increasing the number of conference wins, cause there was a couple of games last year, they should have won in league play that they let slip down the stretch, you know, at Memphis, uh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati at home, a couple others that they should have closed out. And I, I really think with the team back, uh, the whole team back pretty much, you can start to win those games and take a step forward. And I still think the year after that is when you really start to have expectations for ECU basketball. But um, because Jaden will be a senior, theoretically, Tristan will be a junior, Brandon Suggs will be a junior, that would be the year I would target. I just want to see a major step forward this year from a, a results standpoint. A kind, of a kind of a fun question. Um, Coach K and a few other coaches around the NCAA – talked about having an all-inclusive tournament, which will be like 340-some-odd teams. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But how do you feel about having an all-inclusive NCAA tournament in which the Pirates would be in? Yeah, that's the main thing. If they can make it work and ECU's in it, I'm all (laughs) So I can quit writing that ECU has only been to two NCAA tournaments and none since 1993. And they lost in the first round. So, and, hey, if ECU makes that 346-team tournament or whatever it is and wins a mm-hmm. first-round game, you can hang a banner that says first <laughs> double tournament win 2021. So, I, I don't know, man. We're in uncharted territory. I, I personally don't think it'll happen because all the logistics yeah. involved. But I'm all for it, man. Why the hell not? Let's do it. It's 2020. This goodness, is the year. Can any, you imagine that bracket? Oh, my any, goodness. Could you imagine filling that out? Like, you're, you're having to Google, like – where the hell is this school? You're right. Where? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I don't think yeah. anybody's getting a perfect bracket. No. Man. That. Yeah. You should have. Like, if you win, like, if you have a perfect bracket, you should win like seventy-five million dollars. Like, that's. Man, that that would be insane. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of switching back to football talk. I, I know we talked a little bit about recruits, and um, you're talking about offensive line. Um, one of the recruits that I've been paying attention to and trying to keep up with quite a bit is. Um, this guy on Leesville Road in Raleigh, Andrew Canellis, is that is that how you pronounce his name? Um, yeah, Canellis. Yeah, Andrew Canellis. What 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 are you hearing from him? He he seems like a, a a stud offensive lineman that would have his sights set on East Carolina. Yeah, so he's a guy I really like uh, personally. Six eight, three hundred pounds. Had a ton of early offers. Had some injury. Uh, problems at Leesville Road, but he's an extremely intelligent player. Um, he's got offers from the Ivy League and Tulane. His top four, last I talked to him, was basically ECU, uh, Yale, Dartmouth, and Tulane. And it sounded like he was, you know, his, his mom, I think, is a professor at Duke, so he's really interested in academics. And so that's part of his reasoning. Uh, I think ECU really likes him. I think the, the toughest thing for ECU right now is, as we talked about earlier, there there's such little space left in this recruiting class. You know, I think they're trying to find a way to maybe get him in. 
but then they also have a couple of JUCO kids that they want as far as immediate, you know, they have some, some, some guys they want that, that help immediately because I think they really think next year's team can, can do some special things. Whereas Canellis is probably a guy who comes in red shirts develops. Um, so I think they're trying to figure out the numbers. Hey, how much spot do we, how much space do we have left? Can we take Canellis and a JUCO kid who could push for a starting spot next year after you lose some seniors maybe. Um, so I think they're working on the numbers, but they definitely like Canellis and Canellis really likes ECU. So he's one of the guys that I'm more intrigued by in this class. And, and I'm interested to see where he uh, ends up. Okay. And um, sorry to switch back. I, I just thought of this question. Um, back to basketball. <laughs> sorry, we're, we're kind of throwing you all over the place. We're, we're, we're testing your mind this morning. I'm all good for it. All right. So what what would you put the odds at for Jaden Gardner eventually leaving in and going into the draft? What, what would you put his odds at um, for since he's coming into his junior year? Um. So after this year, you, he would leave early is what you're asking? What are, what are the odds? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I know that there had been rumbles that he might try. I, I don't see it, foresee it happening, but if ECU were to have a, have a stellar season and he gets some more eyes on him, what, what would you think? I think right now with Jaden, I think he's probably a late – second round pick at best because mm. to me I think with his size he's got to have a consistent three-point shot to be an NBA player now can he develop that with the way the game is going I just look when I watch the NBA now everybody can shoot threes yeah. uh, especially like a power forward an undersized power forward like a let's say a Draymond Green or somebody like that if he wants to fit that mold you know he, he could shoot threes he could do some stuff uh behind the scenes or, or below the in the paint uh, that you wouldn't normally see of a guy that size. So I think Jaden's kind of got to figure out uh, that side of his game to transition to the NBA. As far as college, he's a dominant college player because he, he works so hard. He's extremely uh, gifted in terms of rebounding. But I just think the size differential with the NBA, it's tough to project his game to the NBA mm -hmm. unless he develops a consistent three-point shot. And that's something he's worked extremely hard at so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out here this season and does that uh, but at the same time you want Jaden to do what he does best which is rebound the ball you don't want to put all the focus on three-point shooting because that's that's not his game but if he can find a way to do that I could see a jump to the NBA but to me he's got to prove that for him to bypass his senior year um, and do that. Yeah I don't, I don't see that jump happening this year um, I think he definitely had to stay all four years before he's Right. confident enough to kind of get into the league. So I, I agree with that. And then, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I just want to see if, if there was any rumblings or what, what you were thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been asking all of our guests, and you got asked the question about sup dogs last time. And I've been racking my brain on what do we ask a two-time guest, right? <laughs> um, so I want to I want to ask this. This is something that I've listened to on a different podcast. It's a it's a question that they ask their guests. They ask every guest this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask our two time guest this. If you could go back in a time machine, right? If you could go back in a time machine and witness any ECU athletic moment ever, mm. what would what would be the moment and why? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, there's so many 
directions I could take this, man. <laughs> because I've been at some of the best ECU moments, and part of me wants to, like, go relive that. Mm, right. Because, like, I was a kid then, and I didn't really appreciate it. Um, like, the first thing that comes to mind is the, the Marquette – ECU game. Ooh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Dwayne Wade missed a three that ECU won when Marquette was number nine. I saw that video the other day, and that's probably part of the reason that it comes up because I just remember Minji's being insane. I remember being a, a kid in the stands that day, and just man, that was when ECU basketball was was peak as far as atmosphere. Uh, and, and now you know how good Dwayne Wade was, and. Um, Novak was on that team, Travis Diener. Like, they had a really good team with NBA yeah. players, and you beat them in Minji's in your early Conference USA days. It was packed. Uh, that, that would be one, um, you know, the, the football-wise, football there are so many moments. You know, the Virginia Tech block punt in Charlotte, I was there. Mm. The Tulsa Hail Mary, I was there. You know, the one game, it was before I was born, of course, was the Peach Bowl. Yeah. And, and for the 91 season so that I mean that by default has to be my answer because I wasn't born I didn't see it I didn't mm -hmm. experience it so I would like to go back and be there in that moment to see what it truly was like when ECU beats NC State with Jeff Wake at quarterback uh, I mean that has to be the answer but there there are so many awesome moments um, that I would like to relive too for basketball it'd be that Marquette game for football I had to choose the Peach Bowl as the top of the list, just because I didn't get the chance to experience that. Yeah, I, I think that Peach Bowl would yeah. probably be a lot of people's answer. I mean, I would love to be able to go back. I, I've gone back and watched it on YouTube several times. And just watching that game it unfold, I mean, that's it's all that's always going to be a, a highlight mm -hmm. for ECU. Also, I mean, the what was it, 2007 Hawaii Bowl? Uh, yeah, when so that, that CJ2K went that, that would be a fun one to go back to. One, you're in Hawaii, and two, you're watching two of the greatest ECU football players of all mm -hmm. time um, play at the same time. So, um, but I go that that's uh, that's all we got for you. Um, oh, yeah. we, we thank you again for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Um, if you want, if you want to, you can you can tell everybody where where they can find you. I know everybody already knows, but make make sure everybody knows that um, right now. Yeah, hoistthecolors.net, the ECU 24-7 sports site. Um, we're always running specials, you know, as far as subscription specials for those that want to subscribe, get recruiting info, inside info, that sort of stuff. So be on the lookout for that. I think we're running another uh, 50 or 60% off annual subscription later this month or, or some type of special. We always have two or three specials a month from 24-7 sports. So, But, I mean, we also a lot of people think we're just a subscription site. We got a lot of free content, too. So it's not just subscription. We, we cover the team with free content. So it just depends on what you're looking for. We got in-depth inside information. We got, you know, casual information. We, we try to appeal to everybody when it comes to ECU athletics. And, uh, man, just hoping for some games to actually cover and attend yeah. and, and to bring uh, everybody the latest. Yeah, I go. We, we wholeheartedly agree. We, oh, yeah. we hope that uh, we'll be able to be down there with you all or with you um covering some of these games we, we hope that that will be the case um but yeah definitely i highly suggest if you are not a vip member Artie and i we we have we share a subscription for the podcast but we uh we we greatly recommend mm -hmm. uh signing up for vip it, it's not that expensive and you get a lot of great information but yes the the free content 
is still great. That's how I do all of my research for, for recruiting. I, I don't go anywhere else. I don't use the ESPN 300 or whatever they have. I, <laughs> I, I use 24 seven. I don't use rivals 24 seven sports is the place to go for, for all of your, uh, for all of your recruiting and all of your news. And look, I go to, he doesn't pay us yet to say that. So um, <laughs> yeah. like we're running infomercial. Right. Yeah. The bus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I thank you again for, for joining us. Uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again. We'll, we'll have to figure out a, th- a question for a third time guest. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fine by me. Uh, enjoyed it guys. As always, y'all are doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Appreciate you. I go see you, man. See you guys. Once again, we wanted to thank our guest, Stephen Igo, for joining us. Our first two-time guest, Artie. Um, once again, thank you, Stephen. Um, so, Artie, we talked a little bit about it earlier. There's not going to be any fans at that September 26th game, mm-hmm. ECU versus UCF. Um, that's that's going to be tough. When you saw that, what, what, what were your thoughts? Um. Well, first off, I, I I think, and we'll get into this a, l- a little later too. Um, parents parents have to be allowed in the stands to see their to see their children play. Um, that's just absurd, and it's not just North Carolina. That's that's across the board. That's every state. Um, the fact that you have these fifty thousand, seventy thousand, hundred thousand seat stadiums, and you're saying you can't allow parents to see their children 400, play five hundred parents, and you can literally put them in their own section of the stadium (laughs) you can literally have them just scattered in their own section 50 feet away from the next person easily but you're being lazy and you don't want to figure out the logistics of it and you just say you know what nah nobody understands so i i i I think it's a shame um and then honestly in general i mean i I think anybody that has a a stadium that can fit at least fifty thousand, um you can't have five to ten thousand people in the stands I mean, safely. How, how how can Kansas City? They did it last night. I mean, they fit usually what ninety thousand in that stadium, right? Uh, I don't know the the capacity of that stadium, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like ninety thousand would be a good number for them. Yeah, I think it's close to about ninety thousand. Um, they they brought in seventeen thousand. That that would be roughly what twenty five percent it mm-hmm. like ish. Yeah. Like uh, of ninety thousand, mm-hmm. um, I'm not I'm not a math wizard, but that right. that makes sense, right? Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. The, you, there's, and there there's, was there's just plenty of room to social distance. There. There's just no unity on this, though. You know, you've got some states saying, "Yeah, we're going to allow twenty to thirty percent." Other states saying, "We're going to allow ten percent." Other states saying, "We're, we're not going to allow anybody." There, there's just there's still I, no I try, unity. I try on this. not. I try to stay out of out of the politics of it, all this stuff, but I've got to say, like. This one thing, like, what are we doing? This one thing, Governor Cooper has really messed up on on this one decision. Now, if if you don't want to have fans in the stands, okay, fine, I can get, I can get. But by the that. parents, I cannot support not having the parents not being able to see their children. I like, can't, I can't get behind that. I, I was thinking about it earlier. I mean, we don't know what what the deal is with media passes yet. We we don't know. That's just, I mean, that question was asked um, in, in, our, in the last press conference or one of the last press conferences to, to the athletics department. And they said that they didn't know yet, that mm-hmm. we, we would be finding out in the next couple of weeks before the game. 
Well, you're going to have media there. Why can't, I'm, I mean, we're going to be, media will be in the press box, mm. in a room together. Socially distanced, we're going to be wearing masks. They'll be distanced, yeah, wearing masks. But how are you going to tell me that fans can't be outside, uh, twice as many fans can't be outside in a 50,000 capacity stadium? Also, is there not a way to temperature check? Having different sections outside of the stadium yeah. at the gates when you come in, check temperature, check temperature, exactly. check temperature. Is that is that not a possibility? Uh, you I, would think it would be. You would think it would be. I go to the gym. That's what they do at the gym. Check my temperature every time before I before I hit Gold's Gym. Smart. I was like, oh my goodness, this is actually that's that's really smart. Wear your mask, check temperature. Okay, yeah, you're good. You can come in. Man, I I just I don't I don't know. And I mean, the loss of revenue, like. I, I'm I'm not gonna get political on this, but the loss of revenue. That this has caused businesses and those, I mean, one of the most vocal people on Twitter, I don't, I don't know who all follows them, uh, they've got a pretty good following, but one of the most vocal businesses on Twitter is one of our favorite bars, mm-hmm. Club 519. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know me, like I'm, I was always in 519, yeah. like I'd hit 519 and I'd go to Subs to get me, get me some uh, drunk food, yeah. right? That, that was my bar. And they're, they're luckily for the, for the elder statesman. Luckily, they're still in business, and that doesn't knock on wood. That doesn't change. But the the way that things are going on, it just seems so hypocritical. The way things are being handled right now, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not getting political, but that's all I'm going to say on that matter. But also, ECU and all of the colleges, all the institutions, they will see. A, a financial loss. They, they'll see some hardship mm-hmm. when it comes to when it comes to their their sports and their athletic departments. There's going to probably be more cutbacks. We saw. I mean, we've had save ECU swim and dive on the program before. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more cutbacks. I, I'm almost sure of it. I'm not going to guarantee it. It may not be full sports getting cut, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw members of the staff furloughed again or laid off entirely mm-hmm. um uh, that's not like i don't have any inside information that's just looking at how COVID is gonna really play a part in the financial standing of the of the university of the institution and that, that that's something that i mean luckily we had grady white boats who gave us we don't know the exact donation but it was generous but we know it's generous. The name is plastered everywhere on the ath- uh, athletic campus. So, so yeah, that I mean that man. Hopefully, we're gonna we're gonna have to um, make it through this next year. And and if you haven't already, go read um, our our guest uh, latest article on hoist the colors. Stephen I goes one of his latest articles on um, his discussion with John Gilbert talking about how this is a year of survival mm-hmm. for many athletic departments across the country. Go read that. that that's that got some very useful information in there. And, um, I mean, he, he was the one talking with John Gilbert. And we're, we're trying to get him on the podcast, by the way. Um, yeah. That, and I feel like that's closer than than it has ever been before. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely think we can land that. I, I've, I've been talking with the department, and we're, we're, we're working on that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh that, that's to that's to come. Um we're going to get him. 
and we're going to talk about some of these things. And we, we love John Gilbert on this podcast. We, we know he's making some hard decisions, and I, I just want to know how— You can't imagine being in his shoes. No, I, I can't either. I, I, I just want to know what's next. How can we continue to survive, and what are we doing to survive? Because ECU, I mean, it, this is a program that Artie and I, and I know all of you listening, really care about. We really care about this program, and we just want the best for it. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're hoping that we can figure that out um, as soon as possible. We'll, we'll, once we have John Gilbert, like, and we, we know when that's going to be, we'll let you know. Mm. Um, I have a feeling it's coming as soon as possible. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be weird not having fans, not having tailgating. I mean, an ECU football game without a tailgate? It's not an ECU football game. It just—it's just a game. It's just—it's—it's it, it's not. It's—it's it's not hell, ECU. We, hell, we tailgate the purple and gold game, the spring football game. We tailgate. Yeah, we tailgate baseball games. I've I mean, tailgated I mean, a basketball I, I, game. I, I, I remember vividly, and this is when ECU was ranked back in our you know sophomore junior years when or sophomore you're not junior, but stadium would be sold out. And you still have another fifty to 60,000 people outside of the stadium tailgating. I mean, you have like 100,000 people can't, in Greenville. You can't tell me that Greenville isn't one of the premier college football towns of bodies everywhere in the around, South. around the town. And it wasn't just one section. We were talking about masses. Just around the city. Just around Greenville. I, I once walked a mile and a half from a tailgate to the stadium because I couldn't, I couldn't get a ride because there were so many people mm-hmm. downtown. And, I mean, that. hopefully we'll get back to that eventually. But there's not going to be any tailgating on ECU property this year, um, which which sucks because, Artie, I know you and I, we've talked about some ideas for, like, doing a tailgate with, with some of our listeners and mm-hmm. um, finding a spot out there and, and really doing that up big. But we're not going to be able to do that this year. But hopefully we'll grow this podcast some more and we'll, we'll come back next year and we'll have the tailgate to end all tailgates. Um, Absolutely. But with all that being said, um, we're recording today on Friday, September 11th. Um, this is a day that many Americans think back and look back on as a, as a day that changed many of our lives, mm-hmm. almost all of our lives. No matter how old or how young you are, you've been affected by 9-11 at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. I know I was. Already, I'm sure you were. Mm-hmm. Um, we just wanted to kind of talk about, um, or just say that we're we're always remembering. We'll never forget. Absolutely. Um, already, I didn't know if you wanted to share your story of yeah. I mean, you know, where you were when for, for us and in, in our generation, you know, this is our Pearl Harbor, I and mean, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna tell our children this this is that catastrophe. You know, catastrophic. I don't know if I said that right. Catastrophic. Catastrophic. There we go. There we go. I do the grammar. <laughs> Catastrophic. It wasn't me this time. <laughs> Catastrophic event that happened in our in our lifetime, and you know, for me, I was six, six Same. years old. I was in first grade. Same. Um, a day that started just like any other day, and then complete chaos. Yep. You know, the teachers came in running. The principal came in on the intercom and said, "Lockdown immediately." Wow. Um, so our, our, were, you, our, were you in Chicago at this time? No, no, no. I was, I was, I was, I was here. We had, we had moved here at this time. This is actually my first year here, and we were in lockdown. And I just remember 
parents running into because this this was General Green right here in, in, in Greensboro. That's where I went to elementary school. Um, parents running in, parents saying America's under attack, America's under attack. You got moms crying. I'm sitting. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm I'm six, so like I don't, I'm just you know I was on the playground just playing with with little Billy Bob. So little Billy Bob. And I just remember my mom coming. My mom was very calm. Came in, picked me up, sat me down, had a conversation with me. It one ear out the other, obviously. I didn't really hit me as a child until I saw, went home, and we just watched the news for six, yeah. seven, eight hours straight. And you just see on repeat a plane hitting a building, a plane hitting a building. Yeah. And then I think for me personally, they showed an image of the falling man. And that's when it kind of, even at six, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is really bad. Yeah. What's happening right now is, is really, really bad. And so that's, that's what I remember from that day. Um, and just the, the outcry of support to uh, the firefighters, the first responders, the cops of New York City, um, who did just an outstanding job in that, you know, under the most dire of circumstances. Um, so, yeah, we, we will never forget. Uh, we will never forget the sacrifices that those heroes make as they are true heroes. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I kind of, kind of like your story. I remember being in first grade and, um, and seeing, so it, I don't know if you remember first grade, like you always had like, you had your line leader and then you had mm-hmm. your like person that was in charge of like putting up the chairs or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it was my, it was my week to put up the chairs. And, um, I was putting up the chairs before going to lunch. And I believe, no, it was it was middle of the day. It was middle of the day. So, the the tragedy, of course, happened at what eight forty six that morning, and we we didn't know about it. My mm-hmm. my my classroom didn't know about it. My teacher didn't know about it. Um, but we uh, I'll I'll never forget my uh, my teacher was sitting there with me while I was putting up the chairs and the teacher at my elementary school, Northwest elementary school in in Arcadia, Mm -hmm. they, um, the rooms were conjoined. You had to walk through one room to get to another. Mm -hmm. And the teacher that was in the front room, my class was in the back room, came running in to our classroom and, uh, was saying, turn on the news, turn on the news. Like, we're, we're under attack. We're under attack. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what was going on. I was yeah. just putting up the chairs. And then my teacher, I guess, they, they didn't realize, like, they, they weren't paying attention to me. And they turned on the TV, and I watched it. I was watching the replay of it yeah. happen. And I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea what was going on. It, it was one of those things where I was then supposed to go to lunch, cause I, and I, I saw the following man. I saw all that. And it was one of those things where I was then supposed to go to lunch, and I didn't know how to what what I was allowed to say, what I, what I could mm-hmm. say. I didn't know how to talk about it. And I mean, my I was I stayed in school the whole time, the whole day. Yeah, I didn't go home early. I don't remember many people going home early. Like that's not something I remember from that day. Yeah, but I do. I vividly remember my. I mean, that's one of the first memories I I have is from that age is. Oh yeah, somebody coming in and crying and screaming, we're under attack. Yep, they hijacked the planes, 
and I, I'll, I'll never forget that. But um, one of the most chaotic days I've ever been a part of, because I, I just remember parents. I mean, I mean, a, a horde of parents running into the school trying to get their kids. So, yeah. But um, so so we're we're thinking of all those that lost their lives, the three thousand plus people that lost their lives, um, citizens and fire department, um, New York police officers, safety personnel. We're, we're thinking about all of them, mm-hmm. their families. And, and all of America, that, that was a time that America was united. That, that was a time that we were united, and, and hopefully we can be that way again, but hopefully we don't have to go through something like that. Right, to get to that point. To get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Artie, let, let's finish this thing off. We're, we're coming up on um, almost an hour and a half now, hour mm-hmm. and 15 minutes now. I, I don't know. Um, we, we haven't edited this thing down, so... Um, let, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do our favorite part of the podcast. It's time to uh, walk the plank. Artie, you want to go first? Yeah, this one. Uh, you you would actually let me know about this one. And when Such I found a dumbass. When, when I found out about this, wow. Um, I, Skip Bayless has never been somebody that I've enjoyed watching. As sorry, <laughs> spills a spoon, but. He's always had bad takes. Even when he was on first take with Stephen A, he had bad takes. This might be the worst take of all. Um, Skip Bayless is a known Dallas Cowboys fan, always talks about the Dallas Cowboys, I guess quote-unquote loves his Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dak Prescott came out uh, a few days ago and sat down and, and, and kind of opened himself up to the world, not just his football team, but opened himself up to everybody across the nation and the world um, on – his on him going through depression he you know those of you that don't know his brother uh passed a few months ago of suicide um his mother died a few years ago of cancer um and so he's really been going through it the last few years on top of being the starting quarterback for quote-unquote america's team the dallas cowboys and so the kind of pressure that he's had on on him um you know I, I can't imagine being Dak Prescott, having to deal with those family issues, trying to stay sane, because I don't know how I would stay sane after losing my mother and my brother to some things that I should not have lost them to, and also trying to be a starting quarterback and help this franchise win a Super Bowl. And instead of Skip Bayless understanding that he was vulnerable, and through his, through him being vulnerable, you know, that's, that's only going to help his team, you know, rally around him he said I don't feel any type of uh, compassion for him coming out and saying this Skip I don't know where your heart turned cold I don't know who hurt you that's absolutely absurd to say that he is going to be shown in a more negative light because he came out and did this he's not going to be as successful and his team's not going to want to play for him or, or players around the league are going to have a bullseye on his back because now he came out and said that, oh, he's depressed and yada, yada, yada. This is only going to be a rallying point for his team. And I think people around him are going to support him even more and the Cowboys are going to want to play for him even more because he came out and did these things. So, Skip, I've never liked you. Now I really don't like you. Walk the damn plank. Yeah, Skip, walk the plank. As somebody that um – I mean, depression and anxiety hits fairly close to home. Um, I won't go into much detail about that, but um, as somebody that 
knows people and knows um, how that can feel at times. Um, we're, we're all going through shit, especially right now. Um, it's okay. If you need to talk to somebody, feel, go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor. Do your family a favor. Do your friends a favor. People care about you. They love, they love you. But to say you don't have the compassion for a man yeah. that just lost his brother to suicide. Skip. Come on, man. Skip. Walk the damn plank. Um, but I'll, I'll finish it kind of on a lighter note, especially for me. <laughs> especially for me. Uh, I want to give a shout out. She actually tweeted at me, at Jared, at Jared underscore Shaffit um, on, on Twitter. Um, she tweeted at me, Catherine Brinkley. She's a, she's a Carolina fan. Shout out, Catherine. Good friend of the podcast. One of our best friends. Um she, she was in the wedding party just as Artie was um, for, for mine and my wife's wedding. Uh, Catherine is a Miami Marlins fan. And while Miami might have won the <laughs> series, the three-game series with the, against the Braves this week, they got their asses stomped. Yeah, they did. The Marlins gave up 29 runs. 29 runs. Say it again. 29 29. Four touchdowns, four extra points, and another point on top of that for good measure. <laughs> that was I, – I've never in my life seen that kind – like, I think the Braves hit, like, seven home runs. Adam Duvall, this man is a man on fire. He's hit – he's had two, three home run games in the last ten days. At that point, it was – it was in the last eight days. Mm-hmm. And so in the span of eight days, he had three or two three-game home runs. That man is on fire. This is a man that got sent down after having a decent MLB career, got sent down to the got sent down to the minors to work on his swing and came back and now look what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's raking. And then um so yeah, Marlins, this man hit a whole, like two regular home runs. One was like a, a solo home run. I think one was a two-run home run. And then this man hit a damn yaya to you steal the words of Atlanta great Brian Jordan. He went yaya, mammo, grand slam, grand salami, <laughs> twenty-nine to nine. The the Marlins at one point were leading that game and they lost. And also. This is the same day the Brewers, Brewers scored 19. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's been going on with the bats, but they've been working. They, they uh, got those juice balls. They've well, been working. Um, guys, that, that's going to be it for episode 26. Artie, uh, it's been a pleasure this week. Absolutely. We're going to have to do it again next week. How about that? One final thing. White Sox number one in the AL, uh, AL Central, 27-16. Braves number one in at least. Let's go. Braves White Sox World Series. All right? I'm about it. All right. Stay safe, y'all. Um, we, we, hope that, we hope that you have a great weekend. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Make sure to leave us a review. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Boneyard Podcast. And, uh, yeah. We out. We out. <laughs>